Welcome to the Everyday Bow Hunter. I'm your host, Mike Manley, retired Green Beret turned bow hunter, joined by my brother Dan Zima. We're here to share tips, stories, and talk gear, all from our unique points of view. Whether you're just starting out or you're a seasoned bow hunter, I think you're gonna like it. So let's go. Dan, here we are, episode 17. Oh, yeah, brother. That's rock and roll. So, um, we're going to jump right into things. No, no messing around, I guess. No listener questions? No, I don't have any listener questions. It's unfortunate. I think it's the time of year. Things are a little, little slow on the listener questions. Does that mean nobody's listening anymore? Nobody's listening. Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, uh, you're getting, getting a lot of great plays on Spotify and uh, Apple iTunes, so it's... Uh, it's spreading around there. It's not doing quite as well on YouTube, but it's definitely doing good on the uh, the channels where podcasts live, really. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, thanks everyone. We appreciate the listens, and uh, we hope to bring you a lot of a lot of great content. Especially, you know, as we get closer and closer to the season, we do a lot more scouting, a lot more, a lot more prep stuff. Uh, we have had a lot of great content coming, so stay tuned. Um, but talk a little bit about what well, did since the last podcast. Now, I had bought a Matthews lip bow. Mm-hmm. Right, so I went down to Lancaster Archery on President's Day, thinking, oh, who else is going to be there? Was it packed? It was packed. Yeah. <laughs> so I got on the waiting thing. You go in there, you you hit electronic electronics uh, digital so, sign, and and it's almost like taking a number at a grocery it's store exactly at, what it is. at the deli where you pull a number and it's. <laughs> I got there at noon, which definitely was too late, and waited two hours to get to be seen i covered every inch of that store which if you if you're from the area and you're anywhere near lancaster archery go there yeah it's it's definitely not what it used to be it's been years since i've been in there and when i went in there i was blown away by how much stuff i have i really i mean i was just it was like uh it's like mecca you know yeah yeah yeah, (laughs) for archers you know Uh, extreme archery up the road here in york is a great place but lancaster archery is in the next level because they are a national brand yes they have so many experts in there they were able to take me take my bow i just basically said hey remember i said i have had some problem with the string here um i want to i want to make sure that my sights in here right i want to make sure the bow's tuned you know the whole nine yards help me out let's see what we have and they have an area they take you to once they mess around with the bow and they can take you over to just like 20 yards away from the where they're checking on you mm-hmm. and you go over and shoot yeah it's right there so it's awesome but um anyway so he up my draw my draw weight it's exactly 65 pounds right now and i'm gonna work on that and see if i feel like i want to move it up down the line of course mm-hmm. i have to re-zero when i do that but um worked me forever on paper tuning uh, only to find out that i screwed up right I got over aggressive working with the guys from Serious Archery. Oh, the arrow, yeah. the and, the shaft, and yeah. I, you know, I went with a a stiffer spine. You know, I'm not a big guy. I only have a, a 26 and a half inch draw length. You know, so I'm I'm only you know 65 pounds, but I want to do 70. Now, at 70 pounds with those 300 with a 300 spine is 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 fine. Not at 65. But not at 65. And the only thing that made me paper tune good was going from 125 grain broadhead to a 150 grain broadhead. Yeah. Which I'm not complaining about. And the most miraculous thing in the whole deal, as I told you already, is this guy working with me, Lancaster Archer, is phenomenal. Took his, took my sight. My sight was already already mounted because they have the dovetail thing. You just slide your sight in, tighten a, a nut, and you're done. And he looked at it, 
lined it up, eyeballed it, turned it a couple times, looked at it again, said, okay, shoot that 20 yards. I shoot, I'm about four inches left, three arrows, right? He goes, okay, and then makes, makes another adjustment, hands it back to me. I go up, I shoot, I'm dead in the bullseye. I have never seen That's incredible. anybody do that. Ever, right. that guy's impressive. That's, you know, yeah. I thought I, I thought I was pretty good at doing sights and stuff for my time in the army. Yeah, that guy looking just eyeballing that and getting yeah. me into the bullseye. That's, that's you know, that's incredible. So this kind of plays on what I had said the night you bought it, and you probably could have got a better deal somewhere else and paid less. Maybe not for the dropaway rest. Da, 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 da. It all adds. But what I said that night was. I think you're making the right choice by buying it from Lancaster Archery because that's our local, you know, main bow dealer shop. And they're down the road about a half hour away. It's a half hour, yeah. And I said, you know, something goes wrong, you could take it to them. So that kind of worked out in that aspect because night I came over the last podcast, actually, and I went to pull that back and right away I found, felt that vibration in the top cam. And I went, hey, have you felt that? And you're like, no, what? And I went, grab this and feel this right here. You're going to feel a vibration in the cam. And that's before you even get out of the out of the, the 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 peak there to get back to the you know your wall. There was something going on there. So I'm glad that you got to go they, down. There. They worked it out on there, and then and then showed me a great tip that that you know I'm I'm really meticulous about my grip and working my grip because how not trying not to apply any torque to the bow whatsoever. So I use a, an open grip, but um, they showed me that it's the simplest, dumbest thing ever to do is that when you draw your bow, right, look up at the top cam. If your string yeah. is not centered, yeah. adjust your, your grip. And once your grip is aligned, yeah. that, that string will be aligned. And then you know you have the perfect grip. So it's a great way to manage your grip and see it. And it only took. You know, I I just adjusted my hand a little bit. I was perfect on straightening that out, and, I'm, and I've been perfect ever since. I really have a good feel. The yeah. grip on this bow is a little different That's what than my other bow. Used yeah, yeah. So getting used to that yeah. and seeing how my hand aligns well, to that. You know. Me, I'm on my third different bow. Started with Matthew's Adrenaline, and then I was at uh, Bowtech BTX, and now this uh, Elite that I'm shooting. Each one of them were completely different. I mean, the Bowtech like cradled your hand, where the Matthews you almost had to like hold it and grip it. Now the Elite, I'm full blown like this, and it's just like teetering in there. It's like this pendulum, mm -hmm. you know. It's totally different. Each bow is totally different. You have to now. We've we've said this a thousand times about muscle memory. You have to now build that muscle memory up and let that, bow, yeah. let that become one with that bow. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a it's it's a cool process. So. so, one of the things that carried over from shooting your elite this past season was that you have a just a simple strap wrist strap. Oh yeah, it's a neoprene. It's a it's a ten dollar. I don't like I don't like the uh, paracord ones. Yeah. Because they get scratchy on you, and the colder the weather, your your skin's like uh, I don't want to call it brittle, but more irritable in cold weather. What I liked and about it just it, rubs me raw. What I liked about it is it almost anchored my hand in there. Yeah, it like right? it. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah. I put the same exact one I bought. Dan sent it to me on Amazon. It's ten bucks. Yeah, yeah. Right. I put it on the bow and just standing here in my basement and drawing, my grip is so solid locked in, in there. It's locked in. Yeah. It is. It 
don't ever undersell your wrist strap because that yeah, thing the, there yeah, is wristling, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, wrestling, whatever you want to call yeah. it. Yeah. So it, well, that, I found that when I when I left Matthews and went to Bowtech because I had a black bow with the Bowtech, I wanted a black, you know, but I didn't want the paracord. I like I said, it, it rubbed me raw and I couldn't stand it. So I was like, I wonder if they make something smoother or so. And I found the neoprene ones. There was no going back. Blue now blue. there's there is going to be some scent, sweat neoprene. Yeah, yeah. they do, but yeah. you, you know what I mean. I'll take care of that. I'll spray it down. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, the the that's a great thing. And the uh, the other thing was that they you know I went through that whole store right like I was saying. Yeah. They didn't have anything like that. Really? They not have a wrist strap or a wrist sling like that at all. Everything it was all was, paracord. It was paracord yeah. out there. I guess every. I guess they think everybody wants paracord. Like yeah. I, I personally, look, I get the paracord thing. Something happens, you can take it apart and have extra rope on you. But that's what you have rope on you for. But you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. I personally, I'm going for comfort. I like high speed, low drag. You know what I mean. Like that's. <laughs> well, along with that, while I was there, I I worked with them on some arrows, mm -hmm. right. So to minimize my out-of-pocket expenses, I had them cut the arrows to the length I wanted. I got the uh, Victory VAT TKO Elite arrows. They're 0 .001 straightness and 4 millimeter arrow, 0.166 arrow. Yeah. And um, made sure that the, it was squared on the cut. So they're squared. The great thing about these, and you, you can't see this if you're listening to the podcast, these arrows come spine aligned. So there's a lot of arrows that if, if they're not spined aligned at the at the factory, yeah, get them. The the person taking care of or building your arrows, which could be you, has, has to, to has it. to spine align them so that you know where to to put that knock that knock uh, vein or knock feather. Yeah, yeah. On your on your arrow. Your off color fletching. Yeah. yeah. And I want to make sure that I had you know these are only you know small blazer victory blazer veins, but they're uh, they're also three three percent helical. They're, on here oh so they're not the burning no they're not burning nope okay. they are they're just they are they're they just are brand, they're, they're, just, branded, okay, they're okay. just branded, they're just branded, branded victory mm. but anyway i have uh, 95 grain inserts here that i'm gonna that i'm gonna put in i haven't gotten a chance to do that yet here um and glue those inserts in and then i'm going to uh i'm going to test out both 125 and 150 grain broadheads with 125 it's 475 and with the 150 grain broadhead, it's 500 grains exactly. So, uh, really, really, really impressive. So, I mean, this guy <laughs> has, Dan's, Dan's pulling up. He has three of my arrows sitting here, and it doesn't even include the new one. That doesn't even include, include the uh, the TKOs. You got the, the ZMR, ZMR, the HMR, HMR, and, and the Sirius Archery. Your Apollos. Apollos, yeah. yes. So, we got we got a little bit of arrowage going on here. Well, this is this is all good because it's it, it's a like learning, you know. It's uh, it's it's the arrow mecca, and I just want to I want to learn more and more about this because I want to be, you know, I want to be an expert in what I'm throwing down range. Yeah. It's like somebody that wants to do reloads, right? Yeah. With the with the rifle. Yeah. You can only get that grainage perfect. Yeah. When you do it yourself, you know, it's it's very rare that you get a whole box of federal where. You know, it's it's the perfect greens right. each and every bullet. Not not everything's match grade. Yeah, right. Not yeah. everything's mm -hmm. match grade. So that's I, I want my arrows to be match grade. That's a great All way right. to say that. Yeah. So once you get your inserts put in, you're ready to rock and roll and you can actually start shooting. Yeah. So 
I got my uh, Gemini arrows in. They're awesome. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. Serious, you know, serious archery product arrows. You know, I got the, uh, I got the, the Gemini's, not the Apollo's. But anyway, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to head out to the backyard. And in my backyard, I can shoot 20 yards max. Locked dogs inside, so <laughs> there wasn't any Four. unwanted casualties. <laughs> <laughs> so I start flinging them. And out of 12 arrows, one was about that far off from bullseye. All the other ones were dead center bullseye. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe my eyes. It was, and I said this before the podcast. Well, obviously, you didn't have to re-zero your elite. No, and it was it was crazy. It was like I was telegraphing them. You know, I I've not shot that. I don't even think. And I this is nothing against the method archery. Uh, I haven't shot my my ZMRs like that that consistently good, and it'd been what two months since I shot an arrow. So. I'm pretty darn impressed so far. So this was uh that was one twelve arrow shoot with the bow and boy did it ever feel good to shoot again. <laughs> yeah. It's like you, you don't realize how much you miss it until you start shooting after a couple months of not like two months of not shooting. Well what I felt when I was there when I had to start archery shooting those twenty yard shots was how I have to get used to that new bow because I was just not yeah. like I was like, uh that was not great he's like oh you're right there Let i was go. texting him he was on his way back and i'm texting him is it smooth is it aggressive is it like he's it's smooth the bow is aggressive the bow the bow is is smooth initially i think at the very end where you hit that wall because there is no valley in this bow so if you're expecting that little bit of a valley after your cams come over there is none you boom you're locked in instantly mm -hmm. and then that arrow wants to fly off of there it, you that's, can feel how fast this that's that speed bow it's a very short back wall it's a you know. it's a 348 ibo on I'm cooking so it's it's pretty good which is helps me out with my short draw line yeah. it's yeah. almost like a turbo it's a turbo <laughs> <laughs> it's a turbo it's a turbo i like a turbo bow and i actually had that when i had that the, the uh the hoyt vector turbo it was a 350 turbo or, or was it it might have been 340. I can't remember now. It doesn't matter. I think it was 340. It might have been 340. Yeah. Anyway. That's still cooking. Yeah. I mean, you're you're flying a hell of a lot faster than I am with my Elite. But, again, I only have the 60-pound limbs on them, 60-pound draw max, the old shoulder. You know, someday I'll graduate. <laughs> I'll grow up. <laughs> now, that was another thing with the with the draw on it. I, it's a little bit different than the other bow. And once I... It's, it's rough at first. Once I felt it out... I was like, oh, if I just tilt this just a hair up, it just all of a sudden was, that 65 was nothing. So when I did like, he, when my bought it, he said it at 62. Yeah. So when, when I first pulled it at 62, and I was like, oh, man, this is heavy for 62. I said, maybe I'm, you know, something's wrong here. I actually like hurt my shoulder a little bit pulling. I was like, well, no. Well, it was, once again, it was me. Yeah, and I just adjusted it a little bit where I tilted the bow up just a hair when I when I draw, and boom, sixty five is easy. So I was like saying to myself, hmm, maybe seventy won't even be bad. So I'll test it out and see. Yeah, right, right. But anywho, I don't necessarily need that. I have plenty of kinetic energy. I have plenty of momentum with these arrows, and yeah, five hundred five hundred grain yeah. arrow with a one fifty on the end of it. That's going to be doing some damage. Well, five hundred total. Yes. 
with that 150. Yeah, that, yeah with yeah. that heat at the front of it, yeah. That FOC cooking in. That'll be sweet. That's what was funny is I, I kind of did this with it. For those who can't see, I'm balancing this hour. You can see that point of balance. It's major. That's <laughs> it's, it's uh, over twenty percent uh, FOC on that. Yeah. yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. I think, uh, I think I'll be cooking. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to hitting some, uh, getting some meat with that. Yeah. So a while back, uh, I said to Mike, "There's like I kind of like to dabble in writing a little bit," mm -hmm. and so. I wrote a few things and he posted them on his uh on the everyday bow hunter website so one of them was the story about the beaver so <laughs> if you know anything about my dad our dad sorry uh the craziest of crazy happens to this fella so all right moving away from the arrows and the, the, the i'm gonna move into a little story here about the beaver so <laughs> The old man goes out. It's not what you think. Don't think of it that way. Thank no, you. an actual beaver. An actual beaver. Get <laughs> <laughs> your mind out of the gutter. So the old man goes out hunting. He's hunting by a waterway. And he's up there hunting, you know, and you, you got to go to the bathroom. Back then, we used to piss into bottles where now we just piss. You know, <laughs> pee's pee, you know. But anyway, uh, so he pisses into a bottle and he puts it into his backpack. You know, he's hunting and he keeps hearing this on the water. And he can't quite see, but he can see like the water rippling and smack again. He's, what in the hell is this noise? So now it's afternoon. He says, you know what? I'm going to call it quits. Go back, get some lunch, and then come back out this evening. So he gets down and he says, I want to go kind of curious we'll walk down to the water's edge here so he walks down there and here's this beaver dam <laughs> so curiosity takes him a little bit farther and he wants to see how sturdy this beaver dam is and he walks out on it and he's kind of doing the old pump test on it and it, he realizes i still have that bottle of piss in my backpack <laughs> so he gets it out of his backpack he unscrews the cap open and Pours it down into the beaver dam. Well, ripples start happening. Oh, next thing you know, beaver kind of emerges and they're face to face. And he looks and he's just like, well, he kind of looks mad. <laughs> <laughs> so the old man takes up all, like heading off, you know, onto the bank, you know, the shoreline there. And he turns around and right there is this beaver. It's coming after him. This thing chased him up into the woods. Needless to say, he was pissed. <laughs> So the moral of the story is, don't piss off a beaver. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he, uh, has, he he has probably more of those stories you can shake a stick at. It's it's a, it's unreal. Yeah, it that's, really is. It is, it's, it is a classic right there. I mean, it's just simple things. Like, you'll be sitting out in the woods, and all of a sudden you'll hear, we have two-way radios, and I'll hear my call, my, my hand will come across, Hey, you got a copy, you know? Yeah, what's going on? You ain't going to believe this. That's how it always and, and, starts. And it's, it's how it starts, and you just go, yeah, I bet I will. <laughs> That's about right. Hey, yeah, I got up in my tree, and I just realized all my arrows have field points on them. I never, <laughs> I never, I never, I never changed them out. I, 
So down he goes. And it's like, hey, have a good evening, buddy. You know, it's like. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what, what he did. We were out. We were out in promised land. And, and he was going one side of the road and I was going the other. And it was, when we get done, he said, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> I got to the tree and realized I left my arrows. or I, I can't remember if it was an arrow. It definitely wasn't his bow. But maybe it was his bow. He might have left his bow at the car and had to go back for it. I can't remember now. Oh, it was his quiver. His quiver. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. We got, well, his like on his, his crossbow, his quiver falls off. And he has to. <laughs> he, he has to bungee cord it into, into the crossbow. <laughs> oh, dude, his, his neck is as red as Georgia clay. So, I mean, for being a Pennsylvania boy, he should have, I, I swear to God, he should have been born and raised in texas oh my god oh man oh my god yeah he's a he's a class act that guy i love him yeah but you know one the one thing you know we did uh this is my goodness this is quite a few years ago now but we went out to the farm our, our paps farm uh, and uh we were going out and, and doing some archery hunting it was one of the few times i hunted there and it was uh it was on my birthday and told my wife that we were just going to go out and, and hunt. And once we were done hunting, we were, you know, going to go out to dinner after that. And because of the time frame, my birthday is November 8th. It was, you know, already daylight savings time was already kicked in. So it, was, it got dark a little earlier. So it's not like you're going until 7 in the evening. Right, right, stuff. right. This is like a 530. Yeah. yeah so here it is getting dark. And all of a sudden... um. You know, he he calls me. Dad calls me and says, "Hey, uh, I think we're getting down. It's starting to get dark. Let's let's uh, let's call it quits." I said, "Okay." So I start packing my stuff in and getting down, and I'm in like a lot of uh, ladder stand or something. And uh, next thing I know, he comes over the radio and says, "Hey, I got one hit." I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> what Ugh. so he's hunting out over this this field right out in front of him and i guess right when he was starting to pack up a couple doe came up and he shot this doe basically at the last possible sliver of legal light yeah and and then i go i go over there and he's out and now it's gotten dark and he's out there in the field with a flashlight looking for his arrow mm -hmm. and looking for uh and blood with blood yeah well we end up we probably probably pushed this dough we probably should have shocked out backed out and waited when out. in doubt but, back out but because of the whole birthday dinner thing and everything right we're like hey let's get on this quick get this dough and get out of here right and we're at the farm so it's not like we had far to go with it right you now and uh so we start tracking and it's you know it is sometimes when you're tracking and it's just there's there's three little drops of blood here there's two little drops there and it's just slow going 50 yards this is a half hour yeah you know and you're like holy crap but i had such a blast tracking that deer and of course we didn't find it that day and we <laughs> <laughs> got it the next day it did recover it got it the next morning but here it's now heading on eight o'clock 
And I was supposed to go out to dinner, and my wife's probably going to watch this and say, yeah, I remember that, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's such always a... when you have something to do. Yeah, yeah, I had such a great time, and I didn't care about the, birth, the dinner at that point. But I... You know, I, I knew it was a big deal in my life, so of course I apologize. But I had such a good time out there doing that. And at the time, I was like, hey, don't tell my wife I enjoyed yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, you know, this that might not be that's a specific story. That's, that's your one a long ways, too. This might not be a specific story, but tracking deer in general. Shooting a deer is one thing. That's exciting. The tracking part is the part that... I love tracking. It, it, it is. It's the single greatest moment in, in hunting when there's success at the end. You know what I mean? Because the whole tracking part of it, and you know, like our buddy Jevin shot that one doe, and that thing foiled, you know, folded up underneath a brush pile and a fallen tree, and my, our, my father-in-law found it. And yeah, yeah. That thing really dug dude, in. Dude, we, we couldn't believe he actually found it, but I mean, my father-in-law... Has spent a lot of years hunting. Has killed a lot of deer, and he even said he goes, "It's going to be where you least, least where you think it's going to be. It's probably in a brush pile somewhere under a fallen tree, something like that." And sure enough, it was, and he yeah. found it. I tell you what, those it's, moments. It's that, amazing what they'll do. Just when they when they get hit like that to go to just in survival mode. It's amazing. Whitetail deer are amazing animals. They really are. I've been very fortunate. So to Only only lose one. Let me knock on wood somewhere. Um, but the, another thrilling thing is when they do pile up right out in front of you, you can see it, you know, and yeah. that's, that's really enjoyable. And I, you know, I had, I had a, I had a hunt where I did something that you probably shouldn't do. Actually, that no, you shouldn't do period. So this is when my shoulder was jacked up, right? And my, my pap had passed away and he had a crossbow. Well, oh, Kentucky windage? Yes. So, <laughs> so before before I could get my own crossbow to, to, you know, still hunt because of my shoulder being jacked up, I went and grabbed his. Well, I could not get that dang scope to lower down. So I was shooting about nine, nine inches, inches, nine inches uh, higher. Low. I can't. Even uh, well, it was nine inches low. Nine inches low. Yes. So you had to. So I had to aim over the deer. Yes. So. <laughs> So normally, when you know you're nine inches off on something, you don't use it. I did. Special forces. Yeah. So anyway, I had, <laughs> I had a doe come up at, at 25 yards, and I I lifted that up just over her back and shot. You smoked her too. She went, she went like 15 yards, wobbled and dropped, and that that there I was like. That made me feel great. One, because it was, it was my pap's crossbow after yeah, I yeah. passed away that I was able to do that. Yeah. But then, of course, my old man, being the, the the guy that he is, went and took that and said, oh, you know, there's a knob on here that would adjust that scoop. <laughs> Take it down. And me not being, you know, well-versed in crossbows or how that one was built. Was that a, was that a barnet? What a, we're both like dead, dead silence in the pocket. Yeah, I know. I can't, I can't remember. I just, I don't think it was a barnet. Maybe it was. I, it wasn't an Excalibur. It was. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, but anyway, this is an older crossbow. Yeah. And he's since since fixed it and has. has now it's dead on. Now yeah. it's dead on. Yeah. But that was uh, that was one of those times sure. where I was able to just hit something and and destroy it and <laughs> but had uh, had an 
normally, like we're saying, you know, as far as ethical hunting, that's not such a good idea. Yeah. But I was confident after shooting it a bunch, it was dead centered. It so it had an elevation problem. You had said about having them, you know, fold up in front of you pretty much not far from you. You know, that's one of the better feelings. Well, I guess both can be true. How I don't know how else to word this. So one, one year, our oldest pointer was doing uh, field trial stuff where he was going for his junior hunt test. And it was a double-double that day. So he had to go do, you know, it was two runs or whatever. And uh, I, I looked at my wife and I was like, hey, I want to go to the farm hunting. She's like, Porter has this double-double today, Dan. We can't, you can't go hunting. I'm like, look, I, I have a feeling I'm going to get a deer. And I haven't gotten one this year. It's late. I, I want to get a deer. Like, I know I'm going to get a deer. I want to go up to the farm. Well, please let me go. And she just looked at me. She's like, you're serious. You're, you're probably going to get a deer. And I said, like, okay. I said, I'll see you up at the, I'll see you up at this, up at the, you know, uh, up at the club where you're going to be running for her. She says, okay. She, I could tell she was kind of agitated. Of course. Because <laughs> it was a, an us thing to do. And I was being selfish. So sun comes up and I, as it comes up, I see like a silhouette. And there's this big-ass doe right up in front of me. And she was uphill from me. And I pull up and I shoot. That thing ran right to the base of my tree. And I had to sit there and listen to her drown. In It was a double lung. And... And... I... Look. Killing sometimes isn't for the faint of heart. It, Everybody thinks they can kill until they actually do it and have to see it that way. Death is not beautiful in that aspect. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's bad. Bro. But yeah. the best part about it, I, I was like, for me, the camera away from the edge of the woods. So I shoot her. She runs down. She dies right in front of me. I get ah, one of them numbers. I drag her about 15 yards out into the field. I call my cousin up. Hey, Boots, can you bring the side by side up here? Gutted her. Drug her down, threw her, took her to my mom and dad's, hung her in the garage, skinned her out, cornered her up, threw her in the fridge, drove all the way up about 40 minutes up to the, where the dog was running. I got there right before they went off. My wife looked at me. I was like, I told you I'd get a deer. She's like, oh, you're serious. You got a deer. I'm like, yeah, it's already quartered up. It's in the fridge. Let's do this. And we ran him and he got his title that day, which even made it more bittersweet. You know, it was pretty cool. So yeah, it reminds me of, uh, I got that one deer out there in clump place that we call clump and it's very close to root i'm talking about <laughs> this it's a, a, a not it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a logging road so it's a it's you know gravel yes road. yeah yeah and uh so anyway it's i'm probably i don't know 40 yards from the gravel road where i'm hunting there yeah and uh so i had two doe come into me and they're behind me of course and i'm trying to trying to see them and one kind of sees me because at the base of my tree kind of sees me and, and jumps back. And I turn and I put, put the bow up and I, all I can see is the shoulder between two trees. So all I have is... Is, is, is the window. The window. I don't see the head. I don't see... No, um, but you're, it, you're the crease. All yeah. I see is that. Yeah. So I shoot. Boom takes off right so both of them i think was trying to keep up with the other one you know they, they do yeah, that yeah, sometimes yeah. 
So anyway, they run run through this laurel, and I'm like, I get, I wait a little bit. It was running around dead and didn't even know it yet. Yeah. <laughs> I get down out of the tree and I go, I go over, see blood and stuff, and and I track the blood for maybe, I don't know, twenty yards maybe, and I lost it, and I was like, you, you backed out and you came, you were coming back to I, get us. So I said, yeah, I got to go get these guys to come help me in this laurel. It's going to be a tree. oh yeah yeah. So the laurel's pretty thick there and stuff, and I'm like, oh, just tracking this deer is going to be an adventure. So anyway, I'm, I pack my stuff up and I go to my car, which is probably a hundred yards away. Yeah. And I get to the car, start it up. I back out of the parking spot, which is a, a tent site. Yeah. I back, I back up, I start driving. I might've I might gone, I don't know, 15 feet and I slam on the brakes because boom, there's the deer laying next to the road. Right on the edge of the road. Right on the edge of the road. And I'm like, so I pulled it up on the edge there. I gutted it right there, and that was it. Threw it on the cart. Threw it on. Threw it on the back of my my vehicle, and boom, that was it. That was an easy one right there. And I was all stressed out too. I'm sitting there in the car, going, "Oh man, I'm finding this deer." And, you know, boom, right there it was. Yeah. So you have this story, this story, this story. This is just two of us with a cabin full of guys, you know, and all their stories. Oh, so we have a lot. Of you know, you guys go out. Create stories, you know, that's like the biggest thing is you gotta find that community of people to hunt with, man. It's like hunting by yourself is great and all, but hunting with a group of guys and like having people to sit there and share at dinner time, you know, that understand the like mindedness and the what this squirrel did or what that and the signs that you saw that, that you guys can all kind of communicate and help each other as hunters, you know, that community is awesome. So, yeah, it is. I have a, you know, it's all those stupid stories, you know, the ones like, hey, I was going to my spot and I was just about there and I had a, a grouse fly scare the ever loving hell out of me, you know, and I fell down. <laughs> you be walking and a bat smacks you in the face because it's dive bombing your headlight first thing in the morning. <laughs> what, that reminds, what that reminds me of, when we were down, we were hunting in Delaware and those, uh, what were those, uh, Oh my god. Were those birds that were attacking us? The Look, hawks. The hawks. Yeah. Yeah, the hawks. The Cooper's were, hawks. Cooper's hawks yeah. were attacking Dan and I. <laughs> they were dive bombing. <laughs> dive bombing up in our trees. Up in a tree stands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Cooper's hawks dive bombing at me. And, and you know, well, wasn't that me crazy down there with the deer graveyards? Yeah. Dude, I walked back in there. I was hunting from you know 50 yards from just Deer skeleton after deer skeleton after deer, deer carcass. Yeah. You know what I mean? 50 yards from it. And I seen, they're in too thick of stuff. I couldn't shoot. But a line of doe going out there. Like, they're walking. It makes me realize how different we are as humans versus, yeah. you know what I mean? And the whole reason that was there, that deer graveyard was there, is because there was a, a, a leased land thing there. And that's where they wanted you to dump your carcass. Yes, yeah, so they had a, the, the a farm, farm wanted a farm that was yeah. overpopulated with deer that they were shooting them and stuff. And we were we were hunting there, but actually weren't hunting there. We were hunting. We found it to be better hunting out on, actually on the public land on the public to. land next to it, and you know where we had just paid for this lease. But the group of guys that were on the lease, a majority look. There's a lot of good guys that were on the lease. Yes, but there was one segregated so group that was just complete a-holes yeah. and were out to get you, so to speak. You know, yeah. just to but and, being jerks to be jerks. And, and honestly, 
Stan and I aren't really least land guys. No. I don't. I'm, I have a hard time even hunting near near the fields that are next to our camp in the mountains. I want to go out where it's tough. I'm always. Hey, I, I'll never deny myself an easy kill because uh, there's really no such thing. You still have to go through the process. You still no. have to. There is. You, you still have to go through the process. You yes. still have to shoot right. You have to make an ethical shot. You, you know, you got to do it the right way. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to turn down meat. I'm a meat hunter. Uh, like our dad says all the time, you can't eat the antlers or you damn near break my teeth trying to chew them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dad, I get it. But, you know, at the same time, it's always nice to have something to hang on the wall to. I, I, like, I like the challenge, you know. Yeah, I, yeah. That's what drives me in hunting. I like... I like the challenge. If it was too easy, then I think that, you know, I'd be, I wouldn't be as satisfied, but I'd rather go a season without getting something if I challenge myself. If it was easy, everybody would be doing That's exactly right. And there are areas of Pennsylvania now that, um, I'm just here in Governor Dick uh, Park, it's yeah. actual park, and uh, in Lebanon County, they're looking at opening up for archery for quite a few years because they are saturated with deer now. Well, Get the archers in there. Let it happen. That's what I say. Yeah. And they did that in Allegheny County this year, too, near Pittsburgh. They were doing that. And uh, I think, yeah, uh, up in uh, is it Missouri County where he went. It's somewhere in the Poconos that uh, that uh, our dad was at uh, doing some oh, work. Yeah, yeah. Was it Lackawanna County? Oh, no, no. I think he said he was in Wayne County or something. I can't remember. It doesn't matter. It's in north, northeastern Pennsylvania. Well, we just in the Poconos. We just named every county in Pennsylvania. Yes, there, you, there you go. If you're not familiar, you know you know just as much as I do. Nothing. So anyway, he, he said that just up there where he was at, it just loaded with deer. Yeah, loaded. So well, that's like east of us, Chester County. That's like almost borderline unlimited tags out there. You know, it's just deer. Well, the thing deer, is, it's it's, it's becoming like this. The, they're going to have to do something in these areas because there's so much private land now and the deer don't have anywhere to go. They're stuck in all these properties and yeah. they're just going to keep, the population is going to keep growing and growing and growing and the people that don't want you to hunt are eventually going to have to say, please hunt. Please hunt. Yeah. You know, and because that's the, people don't understand that it's a population control measure for deer management. It's deer management. And that's why they have hunting, and that's why they allow hunting for deer management. And the hunting numbers with the youth is down, mm -hmm. so it's like we need to get we need to get the, the the younger guys. We need to get them out in the woods, and you know that's it is what it is. And I actually, just sort of thing that uh, West Virginia is trying to improve their deer management and improve their deer herd. Yeah, they're uh, they and I didn't know this until recently. They have they allowed three buck in a year, but here. In uh, 2024 season, it's changing to two. The the people there wanted it to change to one because they really wanted to improve the like they have the antler restrictions yeah, and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but they they end up splitting the difference and just saying, okay, we're going to go from three to two, which is a huge difference. Yeah. If people are getting three buck, which is a challenge in it to get one buck. When you get three, when it's three, that's where a lot of your one and a half, two year old buck are getting killed. They're never really getting mature. Yeah, and that's what's the point of the antler restriction if you're killing them before they even mature in the first place. Yeah, so you can't grow, kind of you can't get quality, can't get quality deer there if you're right. constantly killing off the, the yeah. two year olds. Oh, I did want to say spring gobblers right around the corner. Yeah. Uh, 
I, w I wish you could do like a survey. I want to know how many of you guys out there are going to do Spring Gobbler with your bow. Because I think this... I, I say it every year and I never do it because I, I opt for the easy way out and just grab the shotgun. I want a turkey with a bow so bad. I really do. So last year I hunted with a bow and because of how thick it was where I was at, that's the hard part. I had I had two turkey come past me and could always see their heads and stuff. And I if I'd had a shotgun, I'd have had a bird. But yeah. but because of how thick it was, I couldn't shoot with a bow. So you know, you gotta pick your location better too. And going in there kind of in the darkish when we went in there a little bit made it harder to pick a, yeah. a more open spot to where I could I could have good shooting lanes. I didn't have I didn't have good shooting lanes, so that hurt me. So if you're gonna shoot with a or yeah, if you're gonna shoot with a bow. If you're gonna hunt turkey with a bow, <laughs> make sure you have shooting lanes. Yeah. And understand they're not always gonna come in the direction you want them to come either. And that's turkey with a bow, especially not in a blind, is virtually impossible with their eyes. Unless well, they, you're a tree. They have they, they're like a deer because like a deer has between a depending on the deer, you know, between a two hundred and seventy and two hundred and ninety degree arc with their eyes. Right. Yeah, but they have like and that they the turkey, eyes like an eagle. They they do. And the the thing that's that really sets them apart is and I didn't know this until recently either, is turkey um see individually each each eyeball is monocular right they don't see with binocular vision they see with monocular vision which is crazy which is crazy and they can look with each individual eye their brain's only that big how do they process all that well their number one thing much like deer is movement and color right because they see color just as yeah. just as much as we do in fact more than we do yeah they, so, they see different yeah so movement is just as big with turkey as it is with with deer, you know, when you're sitting there trying to call on stuff, that's why I switch into a mouth yeah. call when they're getting close and all yeah. our stuff. But yeah, I could when I when I saw that recently, um, I couldn't believe it because I was researching a blog post that I'm going to do about turkey hunting camo. Yeah, and that that's ironic that you said that, but that popped up that they have that um, that ability that they can really see, but they don't have great depth perception, and that's 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 weird how that works too. Yeah, I mean they're a bird. Like, like an eagle can spot a fish in water from 100 feet above. Yeah. But they don't have great depth perception. Anyway. <laughs> well, each each, each bird's different. different. Right, 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 right. Yeah. yeah. But that's, yeah. So anyway, uh, that there, you know, coming up in turkey season, hunting with a bow, you better do it now. Now you talk smack, you better be carrying your bow in the woods. Well, <laughs> I'm going to have to do it out of a blind. Can do it out of a blind. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna grab the. I'll take my blind up and do it. I'm gonna grab the rhino. Yeah. And go out. Yeah. It, it's almost like. What's the point of having, goals and and wishing, you know what I mean? If you don't actually act on it, it's it's just it's it's silly. It's like you play this game with yourself. It's like, man, I really want one. Well, what are you doing to achieve that? Yeah. If you're just going, oh. And being lazy and saying, oh, I'll just grab the shotgun. You know, you know what I mean. So and now, yeah. it's still not easy with a shotgun. No, as you've proved in the fall here. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But you know where a great place to put the, put a blind is instead of be out there at that gas line. I have an idea. I know where I'm going. Oh, okay. I have a plan. Now with the blind is gonna be a lot harder because well movement. It's pretty vertical yeah. for the most of it. 
<laughs> Look at you're like, I could see you go, where are you going? <laughs> There's actually, you know, I saw saw uh, more turkey this year, this past year than had previously. I had like a couple years there where it was like, didn't really see them a lot. Dude, I heard and saw more turkey this year than I have in a lot of years prior. Because remember, the years prior, we were all in our own heads, are the fishers deplete eating the eggs depleting our our our, our flocks you know but it's all about where they are at that time that's what it is you know but just, I, they, I, we're on the wrong side of the mountain i right? was i was definitely you know thinking that was a problem because i had gone almost every archery season since i had retired from the army and every single year had turkey come by at least once or twice during the season where i'm archery hunting you know and say, oh there's there's you know, 12 hens coming by or whatever, you know? Yeah. And I hadn't had that happen right. for like two years. Yeah. And then this year I had it happen again. But um, yeah, so that... that this really... year was a very promising year with turkey. That's why I'm like, I'm pretty amped up about spring gobbler because of that. Yeah, I think so. You know what I'm hoping for though on the other side of the coin is one, I've already been out scouting a little bit and the ticks were bad already, which ticks me off. But yeah, I see what you did there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but um, thought we, that cold snap was going to help. Yeah, we had obviously. a serious cold snap for for a good six seven days there, but all below freezing, hard down in the teens and and stuff. I thought for sure. And today it was sixty degrees. Yeah, but anyway, no, I'm talking about the mass crop. I'm hoping, you know, as far as acorns are concerned, yeah, yeah. I'd rather have small concentrated areas that you can set up on well and hunt versus it. I think being everywhere. last year was such an acorn drop, like almost like we've never seen before. Yeah. This year won't be like that because it normally is like a cycle. You know what I mean? If you heard, hadn't heard earlier podcast, Dan and I talked about, we went into one area where it was literally, you couldn't, you were just walking on acorns. It's almost like a was, carpet of acorns. It was like a triaxle load for those who work construction and know what a triaxle <laughs> dump truck is. It was like a triaxle load of acorns and a skid loader went in and just spread them out never seen anything like no, it in my never life. seen it was like that tree i don't even understand how it was erect it it had that many acorns on how it didn't just fall over like it was crazy what i'll tell you what's amazing is is i really regret not hunting up bear earlier because when i went there later in the season and went in that area the acorns were Almost gone. Re- yeah, like they were we, destroying. We missed the window. Like. Yeah, I missed the window. So that was a that was a mistake on my part for sure. <laughs> um, but anyway, Dan, I think we covered a lot of stuff. Talked yeah. some good stories here in the podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Yeah. Hey, thanks everyone. Hit that like button, subscribe, and uh, send in some lis- listener questions. That way we can actually answer one next one, and we'll go from there. Yep. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. <laughs>